0: Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays that feature African Americans both up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in, and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today we will highlight the 1950 film starring Sidney Poitier, No Way Out. Sidney plays a black doctor who is caring for two racist robbery suspects, their brothers. One of the brothers dies in his care and the other brother accuses the doctor of murder. This situation eventually leads to a race riot. Today I have as my guest to discuss the film, Glenn Gilliam, Glenn is the executive director of strategic partnership for the Althea documentary. He is also a principal of Real Dreams Entertainment. Welcome, Glenn.
1: Thanks, Kim, great to be here.
0: So before we start talking about the um, movie, No Way Out, why don't you Mm. tell our audience a little bit about what you're doing with the documentary and Real Real Dreams Entertainment.
1: Thanks, Um, yeah, Real Dreams Entertainment was created out of a a desire to get involved with TV and film production um, and provide some Uh, marketing and advertising resources for it. And most of the folks creating content were looking for connections to corporate sponsorship. So uh, as often as I could do that, I would. And um, it allowed me to do some associate producing on some documentaries. Um, And then that led to the Althea documentary, which was just a a real blessing when it came along.
0: So let's talk about No Way Out. Yes. The crust of the movie is the tension between the black and white community. Yes. Um, early on in the film, um, Dr. Brooks, that's Sidney mm-hmm. Poitier's character, has a interaction with the elevator operator Lefty. Right. And Lefty is clearly very hostile. <laughs> Tell me what you thought about that scene.
1: I mean, it's a, it's amazing. I mean, it's right at the, the start of the movie. Um, Lefty, this working class gentleman who knows Sidney well, uh, knows Dr. Brooks well, and and he, uh, Lefty, and their interaction is very uh, interactions very cordial at first, and then it immediately turns to the state boards that uh, Dr. Brooks had to take, mm-hmm. and Lefty insinuates right from the jump, that's a double standard mm-hmm. for only black doctors.
0: Right, because uh, he, he asked right. him, he said... <laughs> Oh, I heard you had to take a test that nobody else had to take. <laughs> right. I thought you were already a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And
1: Sydney has to explain, this is state boards that everybody's got to take, and take them regularly, annually. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't have to put his name on it didn't matter to Lefty. It's just a number. But mm-hmm. Lefty's like, nah, they just, you know, mm-hmm. holding you down. Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. and that's they have their ways of mm-hmm. finding out who's black and who's not. Right. Um, so Lefty's got some literal scars right. uh, that he's, he's grappling with.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, it was mm-hmm. interesting when um, it was clear that uh, Dr. Brooks had finished his internship, huh. but he had asked uh, Dr. Wharton—I guess that was the, the chief medical, medical mm-hmm. um, person—for mm-hmm. him to st- he wanted to stay on a year longer because he felt like he didn't learn enough. But there were indications in the movie that he was clearly the best in the class. Definitely. I mean, what do you think about that?
1: Uh, Sydney's um, character is really trying to show some gratitude, show some deference to mm-hmm. the chief medical officer. Uh, and, and I think, you know, in some way, I think Mankiewicz was really trying to make sure that the, the levels were clear, that this is the man, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and not to just say that he was deferring to white men, but I mean, I think there was some ability to put stations about, well, you're in this place and mm-hmm. here's the real guy. And, and to, you know, his credit, uh, Dr. Warden, always, I think, interacted with Sydney and saying, hey, I don't care if you're black, green, or purple, Mm -hmm. I'm taking the best doctors, and and I want to give you a shot because you've proven to me, your talent, your skill has proven that you could be, you know, one of the best, and so I don't care if you're black or white, but... Mm-hmm. that was uh i think that was a, i think it was a nice piece i think it might have been a little overdone because clearly yeah. sydney was very skilled
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when i saw that scene what mm-hmm. it reminded me of is, especially in corporate america where you have to be twice as good oh sure and yeah. especially when you're first starting out you always feel like you're not good enough sure until you learn that everybody around you knows even less than you <laughs> i mean i think When I saw that scene, that's what it reminded me of, that he was saying, I'm a doctor, I'm the only black doctor here, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to be excellent, so I'm going to stay another year just to get those extra credentials. Mm -hmm. This movie had a lot of themes, even though it was done in 1950, Yes, Mm -hmm. there's so much that can still be applied to the day, and that's what was amazing about this movie, (laughs) and it's kind of sad, too, because a lot of the themes are exactly the same. yeah. There was a situation where, okay, eventually they do get an autopsy, mm-hmm. okay? And yeah. it's proven that the brother dies from a brain tumor and not because of something that Sidney Poitier did. Right. But the surviving brother still did not want to believe it. Um, and I, and I <laughs> felt the movie showed that he really believed that this black doctor killed him, even though the evidence said he didn't. Right. And to me, that was a uh, an example of blind racism. And mm-hmm. sometimes you see it even today with our current political climate.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's so explicitly clear that that has not waned at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Richard Woodmark, who plays the the really racist surviving brother, um, was, I think, really clear that this black doctor who out of hand, he had admonished him, he was, you know, clear that he wasn't skilled and didn't know anything, well, he removed the bullet that was lodged in him and was expert in his ability to do so, and I think knew that he was very qualified mm. to be a doctor and to handle his brother, but the mere fact that some black doctor who has this station in life, who's achieved academically a certain level and was apparently better than him, who's a, just a two-bit thug, mm-hmm. um, He just couldn't reconcile that in his mind, and and his blind racism would not allow him to believe that this man could actually have the power to heal him or even diagnose him and and take care of him. I can't imagine the kind of terrorism that blacks had to live with Mm -hmm. um, where any interaction could lead to a riot. Mm-hmm. I mean, folks were kind of chomping at the bit to find a reason. Mm-hmm. And Lefty, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. was more than happy about going to get his, you know, his two, uh, two cents worth of blood or whatever uh, he thought was um, actually retribution for a sister that apparently got injured.
0: Right, because in apparently, in, in an earlier early riot. on, yep. um, it was referenced in the movie that, what, six years earlier, mm-hmm. That Beaver Town, that was the white town, Never came Canal, to yes. the yeah the black town, <laughs> right, and attacked them.
1: Let's be clear, Nigger Town. Sorry, that's what they called it. That's what. It's, yeah, but uh, I don't like using that. Oh, okay, no, regardless, I I,
0: even if it's in a movie, I don't N- like using it. N
1: word Town. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, and I mean. They were keeping it extremely real, obviously yeah, in the film. Yeah, and it was and very yeah. interesting mm-hmm.
0: because they kept the language very raw. That's why I was mm-hmm. so fascinated by this movie because in 1950, yes. they put it all out there.
1: No political correctness, no need. None for it back whatsoever. Then. Right.
0: I was reading somewhere where Richard Whit- Whitmark, mm-hmm. who played the racist brother, right. Um, felt bad. It really bothered him saying those words. Mm. And after this movie, he and Sidney became really lifelong friends. Wow. That was interesting.
1: Well, he's such a I mean, he's a real class act as far as an actor. I mean, and and I've seen him. I mean, he was definitely an activist and a supporter of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So this movie didn't at all um, characterize him in real life, mm-hmm. but he was very effective.
0: Yeah, very convincing. <laughs> very convincing
1: <laughs> in his uh, yeah his disdain for for mm-hmm. all blacks in Sydney in particular.
0: Yeah, yeah. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the uh, sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sister-in-law mm-hmm. of the racist brother. <laughs> right. so ex sister-in-law, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the ex sister-in-law. So apparently, she was one of the key key characters in the movie. Yes. Um, apparently there was some kind of affair that went on with the surviving brother, even though Mm -hmm. she was married to the brother who was deceased. Yeah, And he used her, you know, like a pawn to Mm -hmm. really fuel uh, Beaver Town Mm -hmm. into going to attack um, the black town.
1: (laughs) Where the blacks live, yes. Where the
0: blacks live.
1: No, I mean, Richard Woodmark uh, was a master manipulator, Um, Mm -hmm. whether it was his deaf brother, who he used also as... You know this messenger, and mm-hmm. and um, and then the sister-in-law, who or ex-sister-in-law, who I think felt compassion number one because she really did care about the ex-husband mm-hmm. uh, who who died, um, but you know had this torrid affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know how long it had gone on, but obviously mm-hmm. it was something that really worked on her, mm-hmm. and she felt terrible about, mm-hmm. uh, and Richard Widmark really lustily uh, enjoyed having that over her.
0: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: And, and and then twisting her to believe that um, this doctor in particular, along with the chief medical officer, had nothing but her worst uh, mm-hmm. interest in mind right. and wanted to use the autopsy to chop Johnny up and, right, and, right. and, and you know make a mockery of this beaver canal resident right. just really it was a very it was very effective mm-hmm. um, but thankfully she had uh, she had some real good in her uh, mm-hmm. as she was able to kind of see through that and and really deplored the fact that this was going to lead to a race riot right when she saw them preparing to get ready to, to beat right. and kill these folks yeah um, it really weighed on her yeah
0: right. this you know that's what drew me to this movie Why I was so mm-hmm. fascinated by it right. Remember, it was 1950. Yeah. Okay. And in the movie, the blacks get wind of the pending attack. Right. So they get everybody together. Yeah. They go over to Beaver Town mm-hmm. and they attack the whites. Yes. And it seems like they were victorious. Oh, yes. So it's 1950, yeah. and this main movie from a studio they're releasing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No,
1: I, well, what was what was interesting is kind of a little backstory with that. How did Lefty and and the crew find out? Well, it was this barber who could pass for white. Who who heard what was going on Mm -hmm. and the plans to invade the black part of town. Mm -hmm. And he gave the information to the blacks and let them know, hey, this Mm -hmm. is what's going down. Mm -hmm. You can get the drop on them. Mm -hmm. And Lefty and them said, you know, there was nothing that was gonna keep him from being there. I mean, Mm -hmm. he he was getting off work early. He's Mm -hmm. like, look, I'm going to meet up with my guys. And as we, I know we'll discuss a little bit in terms of uh, Dr. Brooks's own family. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: His Mm -hmm. brother Mm -hmm. was, um, yeah, angling to go. Was on down, yeah.
0: Yeah. So Dr. Brooks, while he Mm -hmm. was going to school, his wife took care of him, and the brother lived there with his wife. Yes. And he was studying, his brother was studying to be a mailman. And then the mother lived in the house too, right? right? Mm -hmm. But when it was time for the fight to happen, Um the brother wanted to go out and join Lefty, but his wife was like, "Oh no, I don't want you to get hurt."
1: Ruby D, yes. <laughs> yes, Ruby
0: D. But the mother was like, "Go on out there."
1: <laughs> and let I was it, like, let "Okay." Him
0: go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, mom," because usually it's a natural inclination that your mother wants to protect you sure. and doesn't want you to get hurt, right. but I thought that was a really, really strong statement yes. for a mother to actually encourage her son to go out there. So it kind of told you without saying it in words Mm -hmm. that the tension between the blacks and whites there was so bad that somebody had to do something.
1: Well, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. And I think the mother's motivations were clear. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two sons, one of them who's trained to be a doctor, has taken mm-hmm. state boards, he is going to mm-hmm. um, be a major breadwinner. We've invested a lot of time, as she says in the movie, a lot of books coming through the door no money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And she had to make a choice, I think, and she said, look, I'm making this apple cake so that <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Brooks's benefactor can hook him up mm-hmm. and give him a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, Ozzie Davis, who played the other brother, um, was going to be a mailman. He was studying to be a mailman. But um, not that he was expendable at all, mm-hmm. but if there was going to be somebody to defend the family's honor, it's going to have to be Ozzy. Yeah,
0: let it and, be the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, as sad as it is, and she was very strong in that. You know, mm-hmm. There was no, you know, waffling or anything. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, Ruby D, of course, as the wife is, you know, heartbroken about it, she doesn't want to see him go there. He could end up getting killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. an obvious uh, uh, result of these, these riots. But mom was like, look, you got to go. And, I, <laughs> and so yeah, let him go yeah. and that you know and um, that was really uh interesting and and inspiring for me to see I mean the, the, to see these men who didn't shy away at all from defending themselves I mean mm-hmm. uh, you know we talk we, we, I guess we'll talk a little bit about our favorite lines in the movie mm-hmm. because you had picked mine out when you were asking me that question about what my favorite line was but um, in talking about that line that lefty gives
0: oh yeah um, let me since, yeah. since we're talking about it. <laughs> So Lefty is about to leave the hospital right. to go meet up with his boys so they That's can that. plan this fight. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Brooks tries to stop him yes. and says to him, mm-hmm. you know, we're better than that. And he right. says,
1: well, he said, Look, let me just, he, just okay. he says, if you go, you're no better than them.
0: Right. So then he says, the left, he says yes. "Ain't that asking a lot yes. for us to be better than them when we get killed just to prove we are just as good?" Exactly. I mean, I that, thought that was
1: that was it for me. I mean, yeah. that, that line really is so uh, such a declarative statement about where <laughs> the black community has been in this country mm-hmm. since we've been here, and they they had amazing.
0: literal examples too because sure. yes. he made it clear that. Look at my face, see this scar. Mm-hmm. This is what happened the last time they right. attacked us exactly, and he said, "My sister is still in a wheelchair, so it's almost they were in a situation that they had to act or something oh, worse could have happened to them. Oh,
1: no question about it i mean mm-hmm. this this was <laughs> this was no um, this was wasn 't about ah oh, maybe we 'll get no i mean mm-hmm. you 're either on or you're dead, and that's really um, your your life is in your hands, and that kind of uh, consistent terrorism was a, a part of the, unfortunately, the life uh, during Jim Crow and during those times. And because
0: uh, it was very yeah. interesting that neither side wanted to go to, that wasn't an option to go to the police. Like not even oh, no. Dr. Brooks didn't even call up the police. No, you know, no. Lefty didn't call the police. so right. they're about to attack, attack us.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, and, yeah. and and that's I think that's one of the interesting parts that uh, director Manquitz, film writer Manquitz. Um, didn't get into that piece of it because we all know, real history, uh, how police departments acted, uh, with blacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many times police departments were the place, the source of Klansmen, Mm -hmm. especially in the South. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you had, you had the folks who were most racially biased, Mm -hmm. uh, wearing the uniform. Um, being judges. I mean, you know, we, we had all the odds against us in so many of those situations, and the police were, you know, a contributing, uh, unfortunately, uh, enemy when, uh, when, you know, blacks were looking to either defend themselves, I mean, whether it's Rosewood or whether it's, you know, any, we know, we know the story is Black Wall Street. Um, the police were in on it with, unfortunately, the white gangs. Mm-hmm. And, um, or, you know, I think of was and um, Goodman Cheney and, and Schwerner, uh, the police were complicit uh, so many times, and that's unfortunate. And that's uh, that's a history that is not totally separate from what we're dealing with today. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that excessive force, that police brutality, that mindset, unfortunately, doesn't pervade obviously all of police departments. But there are too many rogues who um, don't see the humanity right. in in the black community, and and unfortunately, feel that they can right. get away with some of these things.
0: Yeah. And but, clearly, yeah. in 1950, in this movie, mm-hmm. in the community. They felt like nothing was done from the first attack. Right. So they Mm -hmm. had to do something. And that could mean some part of why the mother was like, yeah, go out and do something. Yeah. Don't let them come back into our community and hurt our daughters and our children. No question. I I
1: mean, you know, and I know there was a part that that you were um, talking about discussing where the riot has taken place. You have all of these patients, all of these Mm -hmm. people who've been beaten, shot, what have you, Mm -hmm. in the ER at his hospital and he's on staff. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, coming from Beaver Canal, the mother of one of the injured parties, white parties, mm-hmm. um, didn't like the fact that Dr. Brooks, Sidney Portier was attending to her son mm-hmm. and literally was berating him and ended up spitting on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure that wasn't uncommon, unfortunately. Um, I thought his reaction, though, which I think we, you know, we kind of talked about, because yeah,
0: he just walked out. He
1: he just said, "Okay, I'm done," you know, mm-hmm. and
0: because the perfect doctor, yeah. his perfect personality <laughs> right. cracked. It was yeah. like you spitting in my face. Okay, that was a straw. The you know, you calling me the n word didn't right. break me. Yeah. Did you spitting in my face? That broke me.
1: I mean. Richard Widmark hits him in the beginning when Mm -hmm. he's examining his brother, no problem. But this woman spitting in the face was the last straw. Mm -hmm. And that was a little bit of, um, uh, not that it was unbelievable, it was tough to think that what he had to go through to get his his, uh, internship, to be this doctor, to withstand so much, and to allow that incident to say, okay, I'm gonna abrogate my responsibilities to be on staff here. When it's clear they were overwhelmed, I mean, I, I thought that was a little, that might have been the only part I thought there was a little bit of a stretch there. But um,
0: they. But that yeah. is the that is the time that he decided to confess right. to the murder. Right, exactly. Because mm-hmm. remember, he was trying to get them to do an autopsy, autopsy. at the beginning and they wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. So by him confessing that mm-hmm. he forced the autopsy yeah. and they were able to prove that. The brother died from a brain tumor and he did not kill him. Very so, clever. Yeah.
1: But yeah. I know you were talking about how would that apply today?
0: Yeah, how would that apply? <laughs> He'd be behind bars. I mean,
1: you he, know, he's. <laughs> He he was pretty much still kind of running free. I mean, hanging out with the wife. I mean, he's, you know, kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, wait, you confessing to a murder? Okay, wait, you're behind bars until until further notice. It's 1950, you may be hanging from a
0: tree. Right,
1: I mean, I don't know how they they kind of work that magic, a little bit of license there, because uh, I think it would be difficult to say mm-hmm. that a black man could confess to a murder uh,
0: back then, and then um, get off so easy. Oh, the autopsy, we're fine. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: he wasn't. Even, he, he never spent any parts in jail at all. He right. never seemed to be taken in. It just seemed right. to be like they kind of worked that out where he could just be in the mix until the autopsy was completed, right. um, which you know was interesting. And of course, yeah. the autopsy came back as predictable. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But, I think in yeah. real life in 1950, if he would have confessed to the murder, <laughs> right. done and done. I mean, okay. yeah. they wouldn't have had the autopsy, it locked been, him up, right? Executed him, whatever. <laughs> you know. So. I think
1: even Doctor Wharton wouldn't have been able to stop the, mm-hmm, the onslaught mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, cops mm-hmm. and anybody else who wanted to get to him. Right. That was, yeah, that was an interesting piece there. Clever move on his part to mm-hmm. force the autopsy, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because you were you were starting to wonder how were they going to get around this. I mean, yeah. the hospital administrator obviously mm-hmm. wasn't going to touch it. He didn't want the scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, the family wasn't going to give their consent. Uh, and um, yeah, it just, um, yeah. it was like a nice twist. Yeah, it was a nice yeah. twist.
0: So let's talk mm. quickly about the the writer and the director of yeah. the movie. Um, Amazing. Yeah, he... Um, Joseph Mankiewicz. Joseph Mankiewicz. Mm-hmm. He has uh outstanding filmography. He did All About any, Eve. Right.
1: I don't know if there's anybody the who's done a The Philadelphia Story. Everything, I mean.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, All About Eve, um, uh, Cleopatra, Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his, his filmography is.
0: Um, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, but I did read that the studio he worked with, they like to attack um, controversial issues. Yes. He mm-hmm. did a movie that was centered around mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking back in the 1950s. He sure. also did one about, I think it was called Pinky, and it was about a mm-hmm. black person passing mm-hmm. for white. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a movie on anti-Semitism, so he was. And his was, brother,
1: as mm-hmm. we talked about before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wrote Citizen Kane. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there enough accolades? I mean, the family's got Oscars all yeah. over the place. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But I'm it was like, very
0: interesting. Wow, yeah. 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 But I, I just became fascinated, because like I said, this movie, where the blacks win a race riot in 1950, and they right. let it release. Sure. But um, I know the censors tried to get him to cut the mm. race riot, but he refused sure. to do it. Mm-hmm. But I guess his retaliation, they gave it a limited theater release. Oh, okay. So it was a flop sure. at the box office. Mm. But yeah. we can see it now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. On Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, of course. Amazon Prime. That's true. That's so, the way to go see it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as you can see, uh Glenn and I thoroughly enjoy this movie. Very it deals well. with some yeah. very Uh, strong racial issues. Um, It was done in the 1950s. It was definitely ahead of its time. If you're interested in seeing it, I think it's Sidney Poitier's premier screen um, performance. Uh, Also, Ruby Dee and Ossie Davis were in it, and it was their first time in a movie also. They didn't get credited for it, but they definitely have a prominent role in this movie. So go check it out. And until next time, consider yourself blacklit. Thank you.